Good afternoon. Could I encourage you to come and grab a seat as we're about to start the proceedings? If you're in the foyer, we'd encourage you to make your way in, please. And we can't start without the guests of honour, so we're waiting for them to find a seat. Welcome. My name is David, and it's my pleasure and my privilege to welcome you all here today. We come together today to participate in a service of induction. I looked it up in the dictionary, there are several definitions. One's a medical term, and it says, induction is the act of causing or bringing on or about induction of labour specifically. But we're not here today to uh, deliver a baby. Another meaning of induction is in the workforce. And it says, induction is the safety training delivered to contractors before they are permitted to enter a site or begin their work. But despite how hung up and overwhelmed we are with Safe Church policies and the BUV Red Book, we're not here to scare off Peter and Solari with an overload of protocols and forms. A third definition is a scientific one, and it says, induction cooking heats a vessel electrically by magnetic induction instead of by radiation or thermal conduction from an electrical heating element or from a flame. But we're not here today to roast the pastor or create a lot of hot air. Today we use the word in a business or a corporate sense. Induction is the procedure or ceremony for introducing someone to a new job, organisation or a way of life. For Peter, it's a public acceptance and recognition of God's call on his life to pastor Kilsyth South Baptist Church and a commitment of himself and Solari and the family to the ministry and the people of this church. For the people of KSBC, this is also a service of commitment, of pledging ourselves to support and uphold Peter and his family in their leadership and ministry here. So today is a time of celebration, a time to acknowledge God's provision and purpose in bringing Peter and this church together in this way. Just a couple of announcements. There's no formal creche. But if your child gets disruptive, you're welcome to use the creche facilities. As you're heading out the door, before you do, turn left and you'll find the facilities there. Uh, you'll need to supervise your own children. The only request is that you tidy up afterwards so it's ready for playgroup in the morning. Thank you. Everyone is invited to stay and to share in afternoon tea after our time together. Let's pray and then we'll continue. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come together and to celebrate today. We thank you for the reason we are together. We thank you for bringing together Peter and Solari and this church. And we ask for your blessing on this service. In your name, amen. There are a number of people taking part this afternoon and they'll come forward without any prompting and introduce themselves as the service progresses. This is a great day for KSBC. I've had the privilege of being involved with the Pastoral Search Committee for the past um, early part of 2018. And Peter's name was brought to the church on the 9th of September last year. And today is the fulfilment of us bringing his name to the church for an endorsement that we call him as a senior pastor of KSB or Kilsar South Baptist Church. I have an apology first up this afternoon to give to you. Lee Murray, a very competent church secretary, is ill. 
and he's unable to be here. And for those of you who would have received emails regarding this service this afternoon, I'm sure you would have thought he is a very efficient secretary. And he really is. So we're sorry that uh, Lee is not here, but he has done a lot of work in terms of the organisation of today's, uh, today's gathering. So just keep Lee in your prayers. And Marilyn, would you give him our best wishes um, this afternoon when you go home from here? My privilege this afternoon to welcome many of our guests that have come here by invitation. And first of all, I'd like to welcome the Nielsen family for Peter, Solari, and their three children, Tarquin, Jasper, and Kyra. Kyra's not here, she's just, oh, there she is, good. <laughs> welcome to the Nielsen family. Can we give them a welcome? This I'd also like to welcome Peter's parents, Doug and Suzanne Nielsen, and they're all the way from Howlong. And you might say, where's Howlong? It's up on the Murray River, if you really want to know. Solari's parents are with us today, Maha and Isabel. I won't try and pronounce their surname. I asked Peter about that this morning. He said, it took me three years to know how to pronounce it, and I thought, well, I'm not going to learn it in five minutes. So, but welcome to you both anyway. We have the Honourable Michael Sukar, the Federal Member for the seat of Deakin. Michael, thank you. Councillor Rob Steen, who's the Mayor of the City of uh, Maroondah. The Reverend Jude Waldron, Senior Pastor at Armadale Baptist Church. And uh, Jude was the moderate for, moderator for our Pastoral Search Committee established early in 2018. Mrs Judy Wright wife of the late Reverend John Wright, the inaugural senior pastor of Kilsyth South Baptist Church from 1989 to 1996. The Reverend Graham and Mrs Isabel Nilsson, previous senior pastor of Kilsyth South Baptist Church, 1997 to 2005. And Graham also came back and helped us for a couple of months last year and June and July, and we certainly appreciated his, his assistance at that time. The Reverend Tim and Mrs Sonia Dye. I don't see Sonia there, but Tim is here. Tim was our previous senior pastor from 2006 to 2018. The Reverend David and Mrs Annette Devine, who are members of KSBC and are here today representing the Baptist Union of Victoria. I'd also like to welcome the Reverend Chris Barnden, Pete's uh, former regional pastor, at Newport Baptist Church. So thanks, Chris, for coming. Harley and Marjorie Beck, representing our sister church at Wandham. Thanks for coming. We have received an apology from the Honourable Jackson Taylor, recently elected member for the seat of Bayswater. And a very special welcome to the friends of the Nielsons and, of course, all the members of KSBC who have come to support the Nielsen's in their induction service. As I mentioned earlier, Jude Waldron was the moderator, was appointed by the Baptist Union of Victoria to assist Kilsyth South Baptist Church in its search for a new pastor. Assisting Jude in her role were a group of six pastoral search committee members appointed by the diaconate and approved by the church. They were Andrew Brown, Daniel Harrison, Mark Hayward, Loris Purser, Corinne Tucker and myself. 
I would like to place on record, on record our thanks for the way they have cooperated in the many emails and sent and received meetings conducted. There was a lot of prayer went into the process of calling Pete to our church and we thank them for the work that they did over that period of time we were working together. We were all on the same page throughout the process. There was never a harsh word said at any time. It was an exhaustive process, very capably led by Jude, and we are so thankful to our God leading us to Peter Nielsen. A special thank you to all who offered words of encouragement and to those who prayed in search of our new pastor. We are looking forward to Peter's ministry in the next chapter in the life of KSBC. We pray God's richest blessing on you and your family at this time. Oh, good afternoon. My name is, uh, for those who don't know me, is David Devine, and as uh, Rod mentioned, uh, Annette and I are members here at Kilside Scythe, but uh, today I've put a nicer jacket on because I'm representing the wider Baptist family. So uh, I'm here today as uh, the leader of the church health team as part of the leadership uh, team of the Baptist Union of Victoria to bring a greeting from our family of some 240 churches spread right across the state. And uh, thinking of families, uh, Annette and I and our family have just had an exciting time because our daughter has got engaged a few weeks ago. And uh, if you've been through that kind of experience, either as one who was getting engaged or you watched your kids get engaged, you know that families really celebrate when there's a good match, don't they? And uh, we are delighted with our daughter's uh, fiancé. So it's a very exciting time for us and a time of joy and anticipation. And as I was sitting there just a few minutes ago, I thought, it's like that for uh, the church and the church family. And I want to say to you today that we, as the Baptist family of Victoria, see this as a good match between Kilside Scythe and the Nielsens. And uh, we're excited and we're anticipating and we're thankful to God for all of this. And uh, I want to assure you that we're also praying for you. And uh, just this past week, uh, the staff in the union office in particular have been praying for today and for this coming together. So uh, you are doing this with very much our blessing and our joy and our anticipation and prayer. So uh, congratulations on this day. My name's Jude Waldron. I'm, uh, I'm the pastor at Armadale Baptist Church, and I was the moderator for the process that led to Peter being called. Um, I'm also just your sister in Christ, and it is a joy to be here with you today in this opportunity to celebrate and to induct Peter in. Gathered as a community of God's people, we are here to induct the Reverend Peter Nelson to the ministry of the Kilsyth South Baptist Church and to publicly recognise him as its senior pastor. This is a time of new beginning, a time of forging relationship and a time of recasting commitments for both the pastor and the people. By participating in this service, we are affirming that we believe Peter has been called to the ministry by God and we join as with one voice in seeking God's help and anointing for our development and growing integrity as a healthy and vital part of the body of Christ in our wider community. I'm going to invite all of you that feel able to take an active part in Peter's induction, if you are able to do this, to stand where you are.
And I'm going to invite Pete, P Peter, sorry, I'm going to be very, Peter, uh, <laughs> Peter and Solari and Tarkin and Jasper and uh, Kyra to come and stand with me. So please stand. I ask all who are standing to affirm where our faith rests. And the words will be up on the... the uh, here we go. All Christians are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ and to follow in his way. As disciples in Christ, we are called to affirm the faith which you have. Do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And do you confess Jesus Christ as your Saviour and Lord? Peter, you have been called to be the senior pastor of this church and congregation. Do you accept the charge from Christ to care for his people with all diligence and compassion? Will you care for the weak, bring Christ's healing to the brokenhearted, lift up the downcast, and pray regularly for those committed to your care? In God's strength, I will. Will you equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ? Will you lead and enable God's people in their mission to the world, seeking God's kingdom, proclaiming the gospel in word and deed, and seeking to make Christ known in every way. I do. I will. Will you make every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace? By your example, will you lead this church in all godly living and devotion to Christ through prayer and the reading of scripture? Will you be faithful in the leading of worship, in presiding at the table of the Lord, and in preaching the word of God? In God's strength, I will. Congregation, do you accept Peter as the senior pastor of Kilsyth South Baptist Church by the leading of God? Do you affirm your commitment to Peter's ministry and will you support Peter in prayer and action? Will you seek to care for Peter, Solari, Tarkin, Jasper and Kyra and acknowledging the special need and challenges that come with being a pastor's family. Please be seated. You stay. <laughs> In the name of Jesus Christ, who anoints us all to serve with love and compassion, I confirm Peter's induction to the ministry of Kilsyth South Baptist Church as its senior pastor. May God's peace enfold you, Peter. And may the inspiration of God's incisive spirit captivate you and grow your own adventure of faith as you lead the people of God with faith, hope and love. Can we give him a bit of a clap? <laughs> I'm going to invite the deacons now to come up to lay hands on this wonderful family who have committed to this church. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the great shepherd. You are the Messiah. And you are the saviour of the world and the head of the church. So we give you all the glory and all the credit and all the honour on this day. 
We thank you for the journey that this church has taken over many years to come to this particular point and this moment of a new relationship with the pastor. But we ask today that you may remind Peter every day that he is not the great shepherd, that he is not the Messiah, that he is not the head of the church, (laughs) but you are. You love him. You made him. You've empowered him. You have equipped him. And you will continue to equip and empower him. And I pray that Peter may trust only in you, knowing that you are the one that is leading this church. And so today we pray for Peter as he walks following you, that others may follow him following you that he may lead this congregation towards you, to deeper love for you, for stronger expression of faith in you, to wider inclusion and bringing people to know you and reach to those that don't know you yet. We pray for Peter that you may continue every day to refresh his faith, to renew his love for you, We pray that every day you will give him a new knowledge of who you are, that he may continue to walk with you faithfully. And we pray that you will expand his heart for this church. We thank you for the love he already has for KSBC, but we pray that you will expand the love in his heart for the people of this church. We pray that he may care lovingly, that he may preach clearly, that he may empower boldly, that he may discern wisely. We ask God for your Holy Spirit to be equipping him every day. And we ask God too that this church will be able to uh, rally around him and his whole family with love and support and enthusiasm and a passion for you that keeps them excited every day. God, we pray for Solari and we pray for Tarkin and Jasper and Kyra. We pray, God, that they may be able to fit in soon and quickly into this church and say, we feel like we're at home. We pray that this family will be encouraged by their peers here in their faith. (laughs) We pray, God, that at the days where things are tough in the church, they will still bond together as a family and they will still find their identity in you. We pray that the joy that they experience together will increase and overflow. God, we pray for days where your surprising love just amazes them. Your generosity uh, takes them by surprise. And your grace is always known and experienced in a deep way. We thank you, God, for this family. We thank you for your anointing on Peter. And we pray that you will bless this relationship for many, many years to come. Amen. Well, thank you, Jude. And thank you to the deacons and thank you for the search committee who... uh, did put a lot of time and effort into um, prayer and discussion and 
just thinking about what was right for this church um, and seeking uh, God's hand on that. I've, I've written a few notes uh, so that I don't forget. First of all, thank you to our dignitaries who have come today. It's, uh, it's an honour to have you here and thank you very much for taking the time out to do that and be with us. First of all, I want to thank you for the generosity that I've been welcomed with or my family and I have been welcomed with in this church already. It's almost overwhelming uh, how we've been welcomed in two weeks and how we feel loved already. I want to humbly acknowledge the, the only short line of previous pastors of this church. Um, having the same last name as, uh, as Graham, I thought that might have helped a little bit. Um, I think they, they've liked the Nielsen trend, so I thought that might have helped. Um, I followed a Peter at Newport. I thought that would have helped as well, so all, all being well. <laughs> but I want to humbly acknowledge uh, those pastors. Um, being a short line of, of pastors tells me uh, uh, three things. The pastors have been of the past have been godly men. Godly men who have served this community well. The church has chosen their pastors wisely and have made decisions based upon the leading of God rather than a good idea. And the church has loved their pastors. The church has encouraged them and embraced their pastors when, and given grace when grace is needed. And it's held, held them in good stead. And it's, uh, it's great to know Tim a little bit um, and Graham a little bit as well. So I'm trusting that that legacy will continue with myself, with God's leading and in our time together, will be fruitful for the kingdom of God here in Kilsyth South, its neighbouring community and beyond into the world around us. A mentor of mine asked me, uh, what do you think most people want to know when you first step foot into the church? And the response was, I think people want to know who I am. They want to know what I'm going to do for you. And they want to know where, we're going to lead, where I'm going to lead the church. Now's not the time to give you the answers to that. <laughs> not going to give it today. But as we journey together, my hope is that you will get to know who I am and who my family is. We'll get to understand what makes me tick, what underlies my understanding of God and how that plays out in the whole of my life my interactions here at church, but also when I'm in the schoolyard dropping the kids off or in the local cafe or when we're home uh, as a family. My hope is that I'll be the same person here that you meet that I will be when I head home and we bump into each other, wherever that may be. What am I going to do for you? Well, I might not be able to fix your leaking tap, as I've already explained in the last two weeks' sermons. And I might not have the capacity to have a coffee with everyone every single week as much as I would love to. But what I promise to do is to love you. And by saying that I'll love you, I don't mean that I'll be the sole person to bring you flowers and chocolates every time you sneeze. However, my hope would be that as we continue to build a culture of care in and through this church, whereby care is not based upon any one person or team of people, it is based upon a willingness to follow Jesus in loving extravagantly, whether that be those who are closest to, to him or those who are far away from him. Um, I hope that we can be a community is known, who is known for fueling faith through active love. Where are we hoping, where am I hoping to lead this church? Well, in two weeks of being here, I can see this church has been in good hands. It's been in faithful hands. Reverend John Wright was a man that Solari would often talk about. And uh, I know I, I didn't get to know him well, 
but Solaria had a big impact on Solaria's lives and the lives of my in-laws. Graham, not only a great surname, <laughs> but a legacy that you've brought into this church that has continued. And for Tim, I know that your ministry here has been a blessing to so many people. And your name, I've never heard anyone say a bad word about you, ever, Tim. And uh, that, (laughs) it's been two weeks. (laughs) 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 But no, in all honesty, uh, we've known you for a lot of people, we know a lot of people in this church, so (laughs) no one has ever said a bad word about you, and I I pray a blessing over you as you uh, head into that that ministry at, at Belgrave South as well. So with such a strong legacy of the past, where do we head? Well, my hope is that we head into a uh, continued faithful legacy of biblical preaching and teaching. There are matters of leading staff and visioning out staff structures ahead. There are possibilities and potential for enhancing the ministries that are already happening in the church and possibilities of creating space for new and exciting things, all with the goal of building up the kingdom of God here and in the community. But if you ask me what I get really excited about within the church, it would be the opportunity that we have to impact the place where we operate on a daily basis. We don't all come here every day of the week. Yet, wherever you are, in your schoolyard, in your workplace, the group of houses along your street, the shopping centres where we spend a lot of time in, I pray that our legacy reaches out there. That throughout scripture we see Jesus moving into spaces where there are great need. And my hope is that we become a church here at KSBC where the reality of ministry hits us not just when we're together but when we're dispersed throughout the week. I'm looking forward to that journey. And my hope is that you're looking forward to that as well. Bless you. Okay, today's Bible reading comes from John chapter 12, verses 12 to 28. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realise that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now, the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. And Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, a a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies. It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. 
Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honour the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Thank you, Jody. Well, over the last few weeks, a lot of us, I'm sure, have been uh, making that difficult transition where we've been on holiday over the summer and then we've made our way back into school or work or just the normal routines of life. And as we've gone back into those normal places, it's quite common that we would talk about what we did on our holiday. And I would imagine today, if we were to take some sort of poll around this room, that there's all kinds of different things that people like to do on their holidays. Some like to go and lie on a beach, some like just to read, some like to go and play golf, you know, whatever it is that you're into. Well, one of the things that Annette and I sometimes do on holidays is go and look at historic sites and historic buildings. Is anyone else kind of into that? Well, there's a couple of us, so I know it's a bit weird. <laughs> And it gets a bit weirder, all right? So, yeah, we like to go and look at old things. And then uh, sometimes, in particular, we go past old churches. And this is maybe a bit quirky because of what I do, but I often say, let's have a look in there. And if the door's open, we venture in and we poke around and we see what we can find. Does anyone else visit old? Yeah, there's a couple of old retired pastors and stuff, yeah, you're into it as well. All right, I know I'm on holidays and it's not it's like a workplace, but there's no one there, all right? So it's kind of church that's easiest, when there's absolutely no one in the building, right? And Annette and I will go in and we poke around. This is the latest one that we did. It's St. Luke's in uh, Richmond, just near Hobart. And uh, we went in there. It was built by convicts 185 years ago. And the carpet is still beautiful and all of that, right? It's in really good nick. But as we were in St. Luke's and looking around, we came across a number of things. I remember seeing a big chest, traveling kind of luggage chest over in the corner, and it said on the top, you know, Reverend so-and-so, Van Diemen's Land, something like 1825 or 1830 or something. I thought, wow, that's a really old thing, given an Australian context. Now, even more strangely, when I'm in those kind of church settings, one of the things I like to do is to walk up and stand in the pulpit in these old churches and get a kind of a feel of what it would be like had I been the minister there back in the day. And so I stand in these old pulpits and I kind of look around and my imagination kind of runs riot for a while. And often when I'm standing in those pulpits, I notice a text inscribed across the top or the bottom of the pulpit. And the most common text that I reckon I've seen is taken from that reading that Jody brought to us from John chapter 12. And it's these words, we would see Jesus. We would see Jesus. It's a message to the preacher. It's a plea to the pastor from the congregation. And they're saying, for all the things that you might talk about, for all the agendas that you might have or we might have, for all the things we might pursue as a church, we would see Jesus. That's what we want to be. That's who we want to be in the spotlight. That's what our focus is. We want to see Jesus. Now, here at Kilside South, as far as I can tell, there's nothing inscribed on the pulpit. 
You might have your own messages that you want to give to the preacher, and you can share those afterwards with me. But I'm going to be bold today and say something on your behalf. And I'm going to say, Peter, we want to see Jesus. We want you to help us to see Jesus, to have appointments with Jesus, to meet with Jesus. We want to see Jesus. And I think I'm justified in saying that because our mission statement that's up right there begins with the line that we have a commitment to share Jesus. And it would seem to me we can only share Jesus if we have Jesus and if we know Jesus and we believe in Jesus. So Peter, over above all the other wonderful things that you will share with us about yourself and your delightful family and your life and what's going on in the world and what you're finding in the Bible and all of those things, we would see Jesus. We want to see Jesus because he's our hope. We want to see Jesus because he's our guide. We want to see Jesus because he's our greatest help wherever we're at in life and what we're going through. So we would see Jesus. This reminds me of a window that I saw in a really old church, older than the kind of Tasmanian ones. And this one was back uh, in England, in Bedford. And it's uh, John Bunyan's church. Now, John Bunyan, some of you might know, wrote a Christian classic book called The Pilgrim's Progress back in the 1600s or something, I think. And uh, he was one of the kind of early pioneers of the Baptist movement. And uh, in Pilgrim, in, in this church in Bedford, they've got this beautiful stained glass window that they've made of a scene from A Pilgrim's Progress. And uh, Bunyan was a kind of a classic writer, but he had not a great amount of creativity. He called his fellow evangelist, right? That's his name. He's thinking, once I go to play the role of evangelist, I'll call him evangelist. That's what we'll do. And so evangelist is depicted in this scene. It's evangelist and the pilgrim. And the evangelist is pointing the pilgrim to Jesus. Peter, be like the guy in the hat for us. Be like evangelist in your preaching, your pastoring, your leading. Keep on pointing us to Jesus, because as I say, he's our hope, he's our guide. We would see Jesus. Now John, in his gospel, right near the end of his gospel, he says why he wrote the whole thing. And he actually says that he wrote his whole gospel, all 21 chapters of it, so that we might see Jesus and that we might believe in him. So he lays out all these things that Jesus said and did in the hope that we would see Jesus as we read John's gospel and that we would believe in Jesus and that we would enter into the life that Jesus has for us. And so he's laid this out. And however, when he comes to uh, John chapter 12, he again wants us to see Jesus, but he sets it in a really interesting setting. He puts Jesus here he depicts him in this very, very Jewish situation. We traditionally look at this passage that was read out, and you might have heard when Jody was reading it, and you thought, hey, it's not Palm Sunday yet, is it? Because it's the story of Palm Sunday, Jesus entering Jerusalem, the palm branches, and so on. We traditionally read those passages in the Gospel just on the week before, Christmas, the week before Easter, and it leads us into that great Christian event of the Easter season. But in verses 12 to 19, which were the first section of what Jody read to us, it's really full-on, heavy-duty Jewish. It's religiously Jewish, and it's politically Jewish. 
Jerusalem, John tells us, was packed with pilgrims and worshippers who were there to celebrate the Passover, the great Jewish feast and festival. And there was always excitement in Jerusalem around Passover season. It's like today, I'm told, there's 400,000 people going down to St Kilda for the St Kilda festival. Well, in Jerusalem, the city was bursting and throbbing at Passover time. People, Jews came from all over the civilized world to be in Jerusalem for Passover. People who were not Jews but had a bit of an interest in them came to Jerusalem at Passover. You could not get a place to stay. It was packed, it was humming all around this Jewish festival of Passover. And in this particular one, the level of excitement and anticipation was amped up all the more because stories had been spreading that the long-awaited Messiah, the champion, the saviour, the deliverer that the Jews were waiting and waiting and waiting for, was on the outskirts of the city. So you imagine all these people together to celebrate. And then the word is whispered all around this overcrowded city. The Messiah might be just outside the city gates. This was the champion who would at last deliver them from Roman oppression. This was the one, the God-promised one, who would restore the glories of Israel. And now, what could it be true? Was he finally here? There were reports that Jesus had raised a man from the dead a couple of kilometers up the road in a little place called Bethany. And now, this Jesus, who had done that incredible thing, was on the road down into Jerusalem, and all the people who'd seen him do it back in Bethany were coming with him, and a lot of the people who were there in the city for the festival had heard about it, and they were coming out to meet him. So you've got people coming behind Jesus and coming before Jesus, and they're all gathering around him, and they're all incredibly excited, because could this be the Messiah, the Chosen One? And John writes, and he tells us they went out with palm branches, and palm branches in Israel at that time were nationalistic symbols of victory. All right? These were like national flags that they were waving. And the crowd were all standing there, chanting out messianic slogans. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is like Ozzy, 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 Oi, Oi, Oi. All right? This is the equivalent So if you imagine some of those full-on, intense kind of political rallies that we see around our cities sometimes, you know, and you get the intensity of it all. That's what this was like. As all these people are going out to meet this one who might be their champion. And even Jesus' opponents, the Pharisees, are looking at all of this. And they're thinking, our opposition is going nowhere. They say, with perhaps some statement of, uh, of hyperbole about it, the whole world has gone after him. They were wanting to do Jesus in, but it looked like the whole world had gone after him. And there's this rising tide of nationalistic fervor, and it's lifted Jesus up to the heights of popularity and power. Jerusalem was his for the taking. He had a highly motivated mob ready to sweep into the city with him. This was his moment to seize it. And against this nationalistic Jewish backdrop, 
John wants us to stop and look and see Jesus. And Peter, I want to highlight three things that we see when we see Jesus in this backdrop. And I think they're for you as you start this chapter of your ministry here at Kilside, but they're for us as well as a church, and they're for all of us as we go out into the world. The first thing that we see in verses 20 to 22 is that John actually suddenly switches the focus, right? We've been seeing this incredible nationalistic mob, and then he swings it around, if you like, the spotlight, and we're now looking at just a few Greeks. Now, we need to understand when it says Greeks here, they may not have come from Greece. What it meant was they had a kind of Gentile, um, Hellenistic background. They weren't Jews, but they probably had a sympathy towards Judaism. They admired its ethics, its theology, and so on. And they were there in Jerusalem as some of those who were interested in the Passover. And there's these fellows, all right, they're not, um, so as I say, they're not Jews, but uh, they come up to one of Jesus' disciples and they say, we want to see Jesus. This is a bold move on their part, isn't it? You know, given the nationalistic setting, the, the hyper-Judaism here, we can imagine these, two, these guys thinking, well, we are kind of Greeks, we don't really fit in, we've just got caught in the middle of this. You know, it's a bit like if you went to some kind of great rally and you suddenly say, oh, could I have a word with the uh, central figure, please? I know I don't really fit here, you know, I'm not that kind of person, but, uh, you know, could I have a chat? Well, they're a bit unsure about this, so they ask somebody about the disciples, and they hear there's one of them's named Philip, and he's from a place. Philip's a, a Greek name, which was handy, so he didn't have a Jewish Hebraic name. Philip was a Greek name, so they think that's a plus for us. He might relate to us. And he was from a place that had quite a number of Gentile, non-Jews, living in it. So they thought, well, he's used to people like us. He's got a Greek kind of name, you know, maybe he'll accept us. But even when they go and say to Philip, we would like to see Jesus, he's not sure. And so he knows there's another fellow on the discipleship group called Andrew, which is also a Greek name. And he thinks, well, I'm not sure what Jesus is going to say to me in this hyped up moment. So I'll get a mate and the two of us will go and we'll ask Jesus if he'll spare a bit of time for the Greeks. Now, frustratingly, John doesn't tell us if the Greeks ever got to meet Jesus. Because what happens is this. The fellas come to Jesus and say, there's some Greeks who want to talk to you. And Jesus takes this as a trigger moment. Right? This for him is a sign that his moment has come, that his mission has come to its climax. And so he begins to talk about his mission. And in verse 32, which was just past the reading we had today, he says to his disciples, look, when I'm lifted up, and in John's gospel that refers to the cross, when Jesus is lifted up, there's a bit of irony in that, you know, the pride want to lift him up as their king, but he's going to be lifted up on a cross, right? But he says, when I'm lifted up, I'm going to draw all people to myself. Jesus recognized that while the crowd was treating him as a Jewish hero, he had been sent to be savior of the world. He had a broader mission. And in this very Jewish setting, I think John wants us to see the Greeks and to recognize that Jesus is for everyone. 
that Jesus is inclusive. That there's not a Jesus kind of person or a church kind of person, a kill sight sight kind of person, and everybody else. No, Jesus came for everyone. And later on, the Apostle Paul, writing to one of the churches he wrote to, said this about this inclusiveness of Jesus. He says, There's neither Jew nor Greek, the slave or free, male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And Paul's point is that in Christ, barriers that we people might erect between us are knocked over by Jesus. Right? Racial barriers, Jesus sweeps them aside. Gender barriers, Jesus sweeps them aside. Social standing, you know, economic barriers, Jesus sweeps them aside. He's not here for a particular kind of person. Church is not for a particular kind of person. When I am lifted up, Jesus says, I will draw all to myself, Jew and Greek, slave and free, male and female. We're meant to see that and learn from it. Peter, I encourage you to help us to be a more and more welcoming and inclusive church. Help us to keep pushing out our boundaries, <laughs> widening our embrace, so that we might be an inclusive church. Help us to uh, you know, point us beyond our prejudices. Help us not to be spiritual snobs. You know, point us beyond our prejudices, point us to Jesus who draws all people to himself and into life. Help us to be a church that welcomes Jew and Greek, people of any nationality, slave or free, people of any standing, male and female, maybe be a church that empowers people by their gifting and their character and not according to their gender. You know, let's be inclusive in that kind of way. Now, this is a tough calling to reach out and welcome people who are different from us, isn't it? It's easy for me to stand up here and say it, but it's harder when we actually bump into people who are different from us. And we think, hey, that makes me feel uncomfortable. That's a bit awkward. That might challenge some of my own agendas and perceptions and so on. So it's hard to get beyond, you know, to reach out to others because to do that, we have to get beyond ourselves. And a lot of us find that really hard. We, we do it in theory, but it's hard in practice to get beyond ourselves. That brings us to the second thing that John highlights about Jesus in John 12, which is found in verses 23 and 26. And there Jesus starts to talk about his mission, and he talks about it not in terms of him seizing what he wanted. That was the agenda of the crowd. Grab it, Jesus. Grab your moment. Grab power. Use your influence. Jesus speaks not in terms of him seizing what he wanted, but in terms of him giving himself for others. He compares himself to a seed that falls into the ground and in its very uh, loss, you know, it's buried, it's gone, it's obscure, but then it yields a harvest. And Jesus talks here about life and mission and work in terms of that, of giving of ourselves that it might benefit others, be like a seed that falls in order to produce a harvest. And symbolically, Jesus coming into this city is coming in, not on a mighty stallion, but he's coming in on that little donkey in a humble way. And within a week, he would go to a cross. Jesus came not to be served, he said, but to serve and to give himself for others. And he declares that this was the pattern for his followers. 
I was reminded of this during another one of our holiday church visits a few years ago when we went, uh, we were fortunate enough to be in Boston in the US. And uh, I went into this church called Trinity Church in the middle of Boston, which is an amazing church building. It's rated by the American Institute of Architects as one of the 10 most significant buildings in the USA. Not church buildings, but buildings. One of the 10 most significant. It's a great piece of architecture. It's got these beautiful windows. It's got ornate wooden carvings. It's got a pulpit that was built for one of the great preachers of the 19th century, Philip Brooks. And I couldn't get into that pulpit. Right? They had it kind of roped off. And they had people around. So I couldn't get into that one. But what I did instead was I sat in front of it, just where you're sitting now, Peter, say with the pulpit. And uh, I looked at this carving. And I don't know, it's hard for me to see it for me, it's a bit dark, but uh, it's a carving that depicts Palm Sunday. Jesus coming in on the donkey. And I remember sitting there and thinking, what an amazing scene to have at a center point of such an incredible church. Here I am among all the, the beauty and the wonder of that church, the powerful pulpit and its preaching ministry, the place it has in the great city of Boston and all of that. Here in the center of it is this carving of Jesus coming in on a donkey. And I sat there and I was reminded that we follow a king who came on a donkey. We follow a Lord who said, I'm not coming to be served, but to serve and to give myself. It was a reminder of humility. I saw Jesus when I was sitting there in front of that pulpit. And uh, Peter, I want to encourage you to keep pointing us to Jesus through your words and your example. Help us to get off our high horses and to ride our donkeys as we come together as church and as we as church go out into the community. Help us to do it with a humble spirit and with a servant heart. To go as those not looking to be served, but to serve, to give ourselves, to seek the good of others. Peter, we would see this Jesus. And again, this is easy to say that Jesus is inclusive, that we should be, that Jesus is servant, that we should serve. But these are hard things to do. Sacrificing yourself is a tough thing. And uh, we see that even in verse 27, that even Jesus found it hard. John says that Jesus said, you know, my heart's troubled. <coughs> Jesus recognized the, the challenge of what he was taking on in going to the cross. Not just the physical suffering of it, but the whole thing of actually giving himself in that way. There's a great cost before him. This is John's version of the struggle in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the, the surrender of self and the taking up of service. You know, it's a really tough thing to do. And John tells us that Jesus did it through prayer, that when he was having that struggle about getting beyond serving self and then moving to serving others, he knew that he had to pray and ask God, his Father, to help him to do it. And Peter, you've taken on a big job here at Hillside. You really have. And uh, not because they're difficult people or we're difficult people, but it's a, it's a challenge. It's a complex thing to pastor a church this size. And uh, I want to encourage you to remember that the God who called you is with you and for you every day, every step of the way. All right? He's always there. And just as Jesus could say, Father, my heart is troubled. What am I going to do? And find God responding with grace and affirmation. So that's our prayer for you, that you'll know God with you and strengthen you in that way. I want to encourage you to do that and then encourage us to be like that too. You know, To keep on looking to God. 
Keep on leaning upon him and relying upon him and finding him to be sufficient for the struggles we have. Lead us in prayerful dependence upon God. In my last pastoral position, I tried to set aside a day every month when I'd get away from everything in the church and I'd go somewhere and I'd just reflect and pray and read and so on. And sometimes I spent that day at the bottom of the Thousand Steps over in Ferentry Gully. And uh, many of you know that spot in the National Park there. And uh, it's a spot where lots of people go and they're all real fitness fanatics and they're all running up and down the Thousand Steps, you know, and seeing how quickly they can do it and how many steps it is on their Fitbit and all that sort of stuff. And while they're all doing that, I would sit under a tree in the shade and have my Bible and uh, just sit there and pray all day having or read and so on, having, you know, a quiet time to myself. And I remember I was doing that one day and one of the young fellows from my church came running along and he spotted me and I felt really guilty. I thought, oh no, he thinks I'm a bludger, right? Because I thought, yeah, it's a sunny day, you know? And I could have been in the office, but where am I? Am I under a tree in the park reading? And I began to say to him, well, you know, let me explain what I'm actually doing here. And uh, he said to me, no, stop, David. He said, we need you to do this. We need you to do this. Because we need you to stay fresh and alive to God so you can lead us in God's way. And I've never forgotten him saying it. It was a gift to me when he said that to me. Peter, we need you to have an alive, vibrant, fresh relationship with God. Not because it all comes down to you, but because we want you to help us see Jesus. So you've got to stay aware of Jesus so that when we lose sight of him, you can say, there he is, he's like this. And when we want to just get full of ourselves, you can say, there he is, remember he's a servant. And when we feel overwhelmed by it all, or by whatever's happening in our lives, you can say, hey, there he is. Remember, Jesus found it tough as well, but God helped him and God will help you. So take time to pray. All right? Let's give him time to pray. Let's recognize that for the role that Peter has, this is not time off. It's not a slack day if he's done a thousand steps somewhere praying or reading and reflecting. This is him staying in touch with God so that he might point us to God. So Peter, the best thing you can do for us is keep your faith alive. Stay close to Jesus and keep pointing us to him. And when you're having a hard time, maybe some of us will say, hey, Peter, there he is. There he is. Because pastors sometimes have hard times too. All right? But we need to remind our pastor and one another as well. Let's remember Jesus. So keep pointing us to him into the way of inclusion, the way of service, and the way of prayerful dependence. And may you and Solari and the family have a huge amount of joy as you walk with Jesus through your time here and as you help us to walk in that way too. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son, our Lord Jesus, and we thank you for what we see in him. Such amazing truth such a way to live. Would you help us, we pray, to know Jesus and to live just a bit more like him, that like your son, we might bring glory to you. 
Father, we thank you for the gift of the Nielsen family and we pray for your blessing upon them as they come among us and serve in this place. May these be happy days for them, days of joy and growth and fruitfulness. Father, for this church, may this next chapter under Peter's leadership be a chapter that is a rich one in the impact that the church has in the community, in the difference that is made, in the honour and glory and joy that are given to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for being with us today. And uh, if you're able, please stay for some uh, afternoon tea. And as we close this service of induction, just want to share some words written by the Apostle Peter, who wrote, grow, Let us grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen.